Welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays by the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on supply trends, category updates, brand awareness, and what's hot in the market. Join us each week from San Francisco Bay, California, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Dan, the Produce Man. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays on this lovely, lovely Friday here in the San Francisco Bay. Today's Fresh from the Field Fridays is brought to you by the Produce Industry Podcast and sponsored by Buck, Buck, Naked Onions, Equifruit, the only banana you should buy. Sunrays, the snack with impact, and Dole, fresh fruit and vegetables. Yes, it's a lovely day here, as I stated. <laughs> That's not going to last very long because we have another storm system coming along. So that's going to hit us as well. It's wreaked havoc on our growers. And boy, oh boy, is it uh, a mess. Hey, folks, I'm Dan, the produce man. And I have with me here three different citrus varieties. One, the Mercot Mandarin which I love, and and then I have the Ori, O-R-R-I, and I have a Mineola Tangelo. Now, the Ori, why in the world do we have these Ori mandarins? Well, we asked John Papp a few weeks ago about uh, why we import from Morocco citrus at this time of the year, and he explained the whole deal. So go back and listen to that podcast a few weeks back, but Ori mandarins, again, these come all the way from Israel. Taste to me like a honey tangerine. It's a hybrid. It's um, a cross between a temple tangerine, or temple orange is what they called them in the old days, and a kino mandarin. Now, what is a kino mandarin? Well, a kino mandarin it's a uh, it's a mutant. It's two varieties that I've just never even heard of, King and Willow Leaf. It's very juicy, has a great flavor. I used to sell Kinos in my store. And so the Ori is a cross between that and a Temple Orange. Now, what's a Temple Orange? Well, there's many varieties of Temple Oranges or Temple Tangerines is really, you know, what we want to call that. And a mercot, honey mercot, and a mercot is is a temple orange, and we just talked about the mercot, and so those two kind of um, crosses of crosses combined and gave us the ori, hence the uh, honey tangerine flavor in it. Those are available in the stores right now, folks, and enjoy them. I know it's still citrus season, and I'm already getting calls from chefs asking me, hey, when is stone fruit season going to start? Well, we've had a winter stone fruit out of uh, season out of Chile, but they want the local California stuff. And we usually see some early, early white peaches late April, apricots, cherries, depending on what, you know, if the blossoms fell off the trees or blown off the trees or all this rain has killed them. Not this past rainstorm that we have, which was brutal, but the one prior, which was also brutal, 
I was speaking with an almond grower from down in the Fresno area, and she was telling me that the rain came along, washed all the blossoms off the trees. Now, the other citrus variety I have here, and you've heard me talk about these quite a bit, this is the most impactful flavor out of the three that I have here on the table, is the Mineola Tangelo. And I just love this piece of fruit because it's just banging with flavor. You've got blossom flavor, you've got acid flavor, and you've got sweet flavor, and it's easy to peel. It has a little knob on the top, so you can just grab that and peel it right off. So these citrus varieties, as well as gold nuggets and uh, pixies and caracara oranges and navel oranges and blood oranges and Meyer lemons, star ruby grapefruits uh, right out of California, and all kinds of varieties, Tang tango mercots, whatever you can think of, it's also everything's out there. This is still citrus time, but it's also supposed to be strawberry time, and we're having issues there as well. So the big news is strong winds, uh, almost 80 miles per hour along the central coast. And a lot of the ranches have dropped like 50 to 70% of the fruit for water damage. I had a picture sent to me this morning by a supplier. It just shows this lake in the field and just strawberries floating around in the lake. So it's terrible. And, you know, there, there's a little bit of worry about uh, long-term effects on the fruit, the quality, and just the overall production. But at the same time, volume is building, and uh, once the weather gets better, it'll all get back to normal. This is just going to take some time. But we have got another storm coming next week. Uh, that's out of Santa Maria. And then Oxnard is another growing area, and they got over three inches of rain on Monday and Tuesday, and... Uh, damage r really affected the full color fruit, which they've cleaned that off the plants and they continue to clean the fields as, as they can and are still dealing with their harvest schedules to pick when the fruit is at peak quality and the whole bit. Weather permitting everything. Next week shows a lot of rain, chance of showers, Tuesday and Wednesday. But once it finally dry dries out, then we'll have a, a strong push. Florida, the volume continues to decrease on Florida strawberries as well, and Mexico as well. There's a lot of Mexican strawberries in the stores. So with Mexico winding down and Florida winding down and California underwater, we have some areas where it's, it's, where it's okay, but it, it, it's not, you know, the major productions underwater. The, say the industry as a whole is suffering. Now, California and Baja will be new crop fruit, and the quality out of there is nice and firm and big sweet fruit. And that's true because I bought, in the midst of all this, I bought a two-pound clamshell from my old store of beautiful Driscoll strawberries for $4.99. Absolutely gorgeous and tasty too. So that's a little bit of the report. If you want to hear about my front yard, I can tell you about that, but I don't think you want to hear about that. I'll be getting out there this weekend to clean it all up. Things are falling over. Trees are down. Trees are down everywhere in the city of Berkeley was completely out of power. I don't live in Berkeley, but I'm very close. The island that I live on 
we have our own electricity. So where other cities and towns would have to pay PG&E for their electricity, we have electricity of our own, the Alameda Bureau of Electricity, and we don't have to deal with that. So yeah, sometimes the power goes out. But anyway, that's another story. Okay, when you are picking out citrus fruit in the stores, you want the fruit to be heavy for its size. So whether it's small mandarins or large grapefruit, whatever it is, heavy for its size means more juice on the inside. Of course, excluding pomelos, which are going to be lighter because it's mostly skin anyway. But, and some, you know, tangerine varieties, well, earlier in the season, like satsumas and things. But you still want them heavy for their size because that's an indication of a lot of juice and, you know, you can do a lot with them, you know, cocktails and salads and salad dressings and a lot of things that we've covered. Most of the mandarins will be with us throughout the month of April, the navels and the oranges into May. And I've seen them as late as right through June before in the past. And even some tangerine varieties out of California. Most of them are sold by the pound. So don't think that just because they're heavy, they're going to cost you more. Sure they are, but that you're going to get a good piece of fruit. And the mouthfeel on these, when you bite into these specific mandarins, I mean, the murkot gives you that nice, gentle balance of sweet and tart. The ori gives you, like I said, that honey tangerine-type flavor from the temple orange that's in it and the smoothness of the kino. And then, of course, the miniola tangelo, which ugh, I've already described. So... All right, we're going to talk about some asparagus when we come back. Don't go away. Welcome to Equifruit, an importer and marketer of fresh bananas. Equifruit is committed to 100% fair trade, which means no crummy wages, super safe working conditions, and nothing but love for the ladies. Driving innovation through impossible to ignore merchandising, Equifruit is the only banana you should buy. Everyone, we have an APP out on a buck naked onion. This onion is produced by Owyhee Produce, so we have to be on the lookout. Whether you're a retailer, food service distributor, or a wholesaler, this onion is whole, it's hearted, and it's buck naked, everyone. To all you civilians out there, please, let's catch this buck naked onion. Okay, let's check out these. There's a few more things going on here. So California, 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 here we come. Well, not really. The transition time. Uh, we have our fall transition time right around Thanksgiving where we move from Salinas and Monterey County down to Yuma and the Gallus, and our vegetables grow there because the weather's better. Though we've had a lot of cold weather there this year, the weather there now is from the low 70s all the way up to almost 80 degrees. So that's a good thing. But the transition period is usually right around Easter time to come back to this growing region up here where, where I am. But it could hold on just a little bit longer. Items like lettuce, you know, romaine, gems and baby lettuce, cauliflower, broccoli, all those items, the whole bit, will move up from 
Yuma into Huron in April, early April, and then hopefully by mid to late April, everything will be back here in this area, depending on the muddy fields. Then we have Florida, spring Florida items like bell peppers. And well, there's a little pro a little bit of a problem with bell peppers there because there's the winds down there that blew the foliage open. Cucumbers, green beans, squashes, hard squashes, eggplant, salad cukes, chili peppers, mini sweet peppers. All that out of Florida is starting to look really good. Our spring crop is is starting to hit. And maybe Patrick will tell us more about that since that's where he lives. All right, folks, the star of the show today is asparagus. And I bought some beautiful California organically grown Queen Victoria asparagus just the other day. And I'm going to cook that this evening. You know what's really good is an asparagus steamer. You ever get an asparagus steamer? It's a little cylinder type thing where you stand the spears up in it. And, well, mine's metal, but I wonder if they make a microwave one too. That would be good. But you get the water going on the stove, and you stand that thing up in there, and what it does is steams the asparagus. Because the stock end of the, of the asparagus is more firm than the furly-tipped ends of the asparagus, it always cooks unevenly when you're laying it down. Hey, if you got ideas out there besides an asparagus steamer to get it to cook evenly all the way through, shoot me an email, that's for sure, or a message on one of the social medias and tell me how you do it. But I like an asparagus steamer because it starts cooking the asparagus from the bottom of the stalks. And then the tips get cooked, get the heat last. And it just kind of gives it this nice, even cook all the way through. So you're not biting into something and then chewing like a madman. Sure, if you bought asparagus that still has white woody ends to it, well, then you're going to have to cut those off. But most asparagus these days don't have that. Heck, I remember asparagus used to come in wooden crates, cone-shaped wooden crates. You'd have the, the, you know, the half crates and then the big 28 or 30-pound crates. And it came in those crates. It was packed in those crates loose, very tightly and very uniformly loose. So you would have to take your hands in there and grab yourself a bunch's worth <laughs> and tie a rubber band around it and then put it out on the stand. Now, think about that. We used to have asparagus in the stores in those days on sale at 79 cents a pound sometimes. So we would have to tie crates and crates and crates and crates of asparagus. So in the little markets, we just do it and, and put it out, and that was fine. But in the supermarkets, uh, I worked in one called Fry's Food Stores, which is no longer here in California, but those of you in Arizona are very familiar with Fry's. Well, we had them here in California, and we would have two guys. One guy to stick his hands in the crate and pull out the biggest bunch of asparagus you could ever, ever put your hands around. And my hands are pretty big. And then another guy standing there, the other person would have the rubber band in their hands wrapped around each hand to receive that bunch that the other person had just pulled out so they could band it. Because it was on sale, we would make the biggest bunches we could to try and, you know, just get that process over with. Today, asparagus is packed in one-pound bunches already. And you just open up a plastic or a cardboard crate 
and you're set. You're to go. You just take that and you stack it onto the stand and you're ready to roll. But it was different in those days. But anyway, that was just a little side note. Asparagus has been around for thousands of years, savored by just many, many cultures. Medicinal uses and culinary uses uh, are evident in ancient Egypt. It was thought of as an aphrodisiac in Arabic culture. Thomas Jefferson uh, mentioned it in his experimental gardening book in 1775 as well. But as far back as the first century BC, the Romans, they were pretty slick. They were the first frozen food people. They developed a method of freezing fresh asparagus to enjoy in the off-season because they had the Feast of Epicures and it just didn't fall at the same time as asparagus season. So what they would do is they would harvest this asparagus, they would stick it in chariots, and then the drivers of the chariots would just you know, make a beeline to, to the snow line of the Alps, and they would stick the asparagus in a specific area in the snow, I guess, and <laughs> freeze it so that they could have it during the Feast of Epicurus. The asparagus task force is what I like to call them. I thought that was pretty interesting. Now you've got European white asparagus, which is now grown here. We used to have to fly that in from I think it was Belgium or France in the old days. Now it's just grown here. And white asparagus is pretty much just growing the asparagus without light. So no chlorophyll, nothing. It just grows white, and it's a delicacy. Nutrition, I'm not quite sure about that, but that's how white asparagus is grown. They used to, just in the fields, take the asparagus that was, that was growing and just cover it with dirt mounds of dirt. A lot of this is grown indoors as well these days or in beds where they can cover them with other things other than dirt. Purple varieties are also very popular as well. Purple haze is one that I can think of. You can find all three of the all three, the purple, the white, and the green asparagus in the stores. And it's kind of fun. I, I cooked all three together. And, and then, of course, uh, what, what would happen here in California, I don't know about Jersey and other areas, but what would happen here in California is when our asparagus season ended, Oregon and Washington's asparagus season was at the beginning stages. So we would bring it down from up north. The, the label was Homer with a beautiful duck flying on the label. And the asparagus was really gorgeous. It had these red blush especially on the furly tips, yeah, absolutely beautiful. Now, it's sad to say that so much asparagus has, has come into the United States from Mexico that a lot of California growers have just thrown in the towel in big, big-time growers because they just can't. It's kind of like smaller grape growers where they can't compete with the, the, the grapes coming out of, out of Mexico at the beginning of the season. So the same thing happened with asparagus. But there, are, there is some California asparagus growing in Stockton, Tracy, and Byron areas. This Queen Victoria organic asparagus, absolutely beautiful. Now, when you select asparagus in the store, you've got to be very careful. I don't care if it's peak season or not, or best of season. You want tightly furled tips. You don't want those furls to be loose on the tips. You want firm stalks, bright green, bright white, bright purple, from tip all the way down. You also want to do something. You want to smell the tips. If they have any type of off scent to them, 
Well, Guido the gardener used to like to say if it smells like a wet goat, which I don't know how he knows that, but uh, stay away from it. Any off smell whatsoever, just stay away from it. Lift the rubber band that is around the asparagus to see if it has indented into the spears. If you see an indentation into the spears, it means the asparagus spears have started to dehydrate and become softer, and that rubber band is just uh, digging into them. And if you see that, then it's not as fresh as it could be. And definitely, if you see shriveled stalk ends at all dehydrated in any way, don't buy it. You know, you'll get some slimy tips and a whole bit, and it's just garbage. So make sure that you get nice, firm, clean spears all the way down. Now, size. Does size matter? Not really. Thick asparagus can be just as tender as pencil-sized asparagus. Cooking times may need to be adjusted, but that's easy to do. Sometimes you'll find the tips. I used to buy tips as well, and they were just shorter asparagus, 100% yield. They packed them in Los Angeles lugs. Los Angeles lugs were crates that grapes used to be packed into, and they would pack these spears, these short little asparagus tips in those. And if you, you can still find those at smaller stores and at farmer's markets as well. Now, I'm going to give some produce retailers here, giving away one of my secrets. One fine spring morning down at the Oakland Wholesale Produce Market several years ago, a vendor had two pallets of asparagus that was so thin you would you'd think it was your front lawn. And grass is a nickname for asparagus. When you go and buy asparagus from a wholesaler or, or from a broker or whatever, give me, you know, six pallets of grass. But anyway, this asparagus was so thin that the vendor stated that he was just going to donate it. And I said, I tell you what, I'll take it off your hands if you let me pay afterwards, whatever I can get out of it, called PAS, pay after sale. You make a little deal and you, you, you give whoever you bought it from some sort of return. So he thought I was crazy. And I took the asparagus and I brought it back to my store. I made a massive display and I put on the sign, Angel Hair Asparagus perfect for sauteing and all this other stuff. And I'm telling you, I sold out, completely sold out. I think I had it 99 cents a pound too. Um, that's usually asparagus people don't want to touch if it's that thin. Boy, oh boy, just the words angel hair. So retailers out there, there's an idea from Dan the Produce Man. <laughs> if you get it and it's too small, call it angel hair and you'll sell it all. All right. Now, several years ago, scientists at Rutgers University discovered that extract from the edible part of the asparagus plant, which is what we eat, demonstrated anti-tumor activity. Compounds found in asparagus shoots irreversibly inhibited the multiplication of leukemia cells by preventing DNA and RNA synthesis, which pretty much means asparagus is darn good for you. Look, you got vitamin A, B2, vitamin C, potassium, phosphorus, iron, and a bunch of other minerals. So it's all it's perfect for those on a low-sodium diet, and it's only 20 calories per serving. So whether you like them purple, white, green, thick, or thin, 
Just remember that asparagus has savored the palates of many, many, many generations. And it's in season now. Okay, folks, that's going to wrap it up for this week's Fresh from the Field Fridays. Be sure to tune in to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly every Monday, as well as the Produce Industry Show on YouTube. And then there's the Produce Industry app. You gotta have that. Download that now on your smartphone, on your tablet, on your smartwatch, anywhere else you can download apps to. It's a great resource, and you'll be happy that you did. Also, be sure to check out my YouTube and Rumble channels called Dan the Produce Man, and all my social media can be found at DanTheProduceMan.com. Now, listen to this. That's the sound of a nice piece of citrus being peeled that I'm going to enjoy right now. All right, folks, until next week, this is Dan the Produce Man reminding you that it's always best when you get it fresh. You've been listening to Fresh from the Field Fridays with Dan the Produce Man. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Produce Industry Podcast and at Dan the Produce Man. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.